result. Shit, check this out, y'all. Uh, read a book, read a book, read a motherfucking book, read a book. 800 If America is to grow up thinking, reading is fundamental. To find out how you can help, write to. I'm Candy, the final girl. I do not aim with my hand. He who aims with his hand has forgotten the face of his father. I do not shoot with my hand. He who shoots with his hand has forgotten the face of his father. I shoot with my mind. I do not kill with my gun. He who kills with his gun has forgotten the face of his father. I kill with my heart. And I'm Shaun of the Dead. See the turtle of enormous. Oh, God damn it! Let me tr- let me start that over. Don't <laughs> 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 leave it in like when I fucked up. Or- uh, maybe I will. Don't test me. <laughs> and I'm Shaun of the Dead. See the turtle of enormous girth on his shell. He holds the earth. And tonight on the House of Screams Brain Eaters Edition, meaning we are talking about horror literary works. We are tackling a large topic um that is the dark tower series by stephen king it encompasses eight books um we have erica wright i don't like people they fuck me up we have crystal control the things you can control maggot let everything else take a flying fuck at you and if you must go down, go down with your guns blazing. Fuck yeah. Oh, badass. I like that one. And we have Dave German. As for the end of the universe, I say let it come as it will in ice, fire, or darkness. What did the universe ever do for me that I should mind its welfare? Yes. Yeah. So we have decided to actually do something <clears throat> unlike us, and we're going to talk about these books in order. The first book being The Gunslinger from 1982. And this, um, I have a little story about this. Um, my first encounter with The Gunslinger. I was a big Stephen King fan by nine years old. And my mom, you know, she was always, I, I started with Pet Cemetery, scared the shit out of me, and went to It, scared the shit out of me. And I was just, you know, misery and all these things I'm working through that I were out at that time. Don't start judging my age. Um, but then she puts in my hands The Gunslinger. And that book was dry as a toast sandwich with no butter. I mean, it was just like clunky <laughs> and boring. I'm so glad I'm not the only one. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, it was dry. <laughs> there was nothing to drink either. There was no milk. It was just dry. Totally. As, a desert. as a desert. <laughs> Funnily enough, like a desert. But it, so I read that book and I gave it to my mom. And, you know, at that young, I can't say, what the fuck? I mean, that would be later. Um, I would not touch any of the books in the series until I was an adult. Um, 
because I hated that book so much. It just was so clunky and dry. And I'm like, what the fuck does any of this matter? Like, <laughs> am, am I supposed to be impressed by this? I don't know. So, you know, I'll straight up admit it. Like, I, I would not touch any of the other books in the series that were out at that time. Not till much later when they pretty much were all out. Um, almost. So, um, so that's my starter on The Gunslinger. Well, I uh, I really don't have a, a dog in this fight because I made it about 40 pages in and I quit reading. <laughs> and why? Um, well, let me let me start out by saying like, so I I fell in love with Stephen King probably around 1993. I was 13. I had read my first Stephen King novel and that was Salem's Lot. And like some things, the first is always your favorite. And that has continued to be my favorite Stephen King. But at that time, I remember hearing about the Dark Tower series. And I, I just, it was just one of those things that I just never read. And years passed. I had since read Game of Thrones twice. I had read all of Tolkien's bibliography twice. Um, you know, and I'm a huge fantasy fan. Uh, R.A. Salvatore read almost all of his books. And so it was like 2014, 2015, and Candy starts pushing on me. Have you ever read The Dark Tower? And I said, no, no, I haven't. At this, you know, at this point, it's fucking eight books. And I'm like, no, I haven't. And Probably. you can feel her judging you, right? Right, right. Yeah, she's, she's <laughs> just you. like giving me side eye, like, really? <laughs> really? And so she, she keeps telling me, she's like, you know, this is Stephen King's Lord of the Rings. And I'm like, fine, fuck it. I'll give it a shot. And I made it 40 pages into the gunslinger. And I'm like, I'm not fucking reading this. This is, I can't do this. And she's like, Oh no, no, no. The whole series isn't like that. Just skip the first book. Start with the second. I stand and, by that because they repeat the events enough that you and, don't fucking need to read it. And so I said, fine, I'll do that. So I, I went to the second book and because of the, um, I guess you could say it was the prologue at the beginning of the second book that pretty much recounts everything that happened in the first yeah. book. I was able to get into it, and the second book is written so much better mm-hmm. than the first one. But yes, it was very dry. But I will say, to this day, that first line in The Gunslinger, yeah. hand, hands down, best best opening line of any book I've ever read. Yeah. Man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed. And the gunslinger followed. That's right. Tells you everything you need to know right off the bat. It's very evocative, yeah. Definitely. (laughs) Okay, um, anybody else want to share anything about the gunslinger? Uh, Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll go. I'll I'll be quick. Just same experience, although I didn't make it through the gunslinger. I read the whole thing, but I thought it was very dry. But then, you know, we couldn't see the, I guess, the whole, the complete picture yet. And I, I wonder if that was on purpose. I haven't read a whole lot of like his interviews about it, but I wonder if, because I'm sure we're not the only people who feel this way. There's probably a consensus that the first one's sort of dry and a little bit, I, I don't know, a little, it's like, when does something happen? Um, although the slow mutants out of the mountain was pretty cool. You know, it was almost like the zombie thing for me is, was a big hook. Uh, but I wonder if he wasn't just like taking it easy on us because what happens in the books after that, it's so almost overwhelming unless you're a real Stephen King fan. Yeah. It's, it's like almost too much, you know, it's just throwing all these connections and all this parallel stuff. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a slog. It was a slog. Although I've, I've read it after you go back and read it after having completed the series. And then you read the first one again, 
it, you appreciate it more for what it is because you can see where he's going with it. But yeah, it's a slot. But by the beginning, we're going to talk about these books in order, but by the, the very opening bit in the second book, when you realize, okay, it's going to be, you know, joins universes and Roland's inside Eddie looking out through his eyes on this aircraft. And he's trying to describe what an airplane is. Just, I was completely hooked mm -hmm. at the very beginning of two and, and never looked back. But yeah, one is a bit of a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, should I go next? Yeah, okay. you can. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as the rest of you. Um, I had already gone into uh, Stephen King's early books. I think the first book of his that I read was The Shining. Absolutely loved it. Um, then went on to read, like, um, It and Salem's Lot. And, you know, I was really enjoying those. So I, when I was at like um, a library sale where they're offloading a bunch of books that they don't want in their collections anymore, I picked up a copy of The Gunslinger and like, I, it had these really cool illustrations in it. And I thought, oh, this, this looks like it's going to be really interesting. And then I started to read it and thought, what the actual fuck is going on here? <laughs> I don't like this book. I don't like the style of it. It was just like this alternate universe where it's like in the old west but there's futuristic technology that's all rusted out decayed and for some reason people are singing hey jude all the time like just what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> so i i like gave up on it honestly and then years later after i kept hearing wonderful things about the series as a whole i thought okay i'm gonna give it a shot but i don't trust myself to have the discipline to sit down and read it i got the audiobook from the library and that's how I got through it. But still, this it's one of my least favorite books in the series. Like, maybe going, if I were to revisit it, knowing the rest of the series, maybe I would appreciate it more. But I just did not, I just did not like it, like, the first time through. And I have not revisited it since then. You know, depending on who read the audiobook, I bet that, I bet the audiobook would be a hell of a lot better. No, I, I wanted to talk about that real quick. I don't know if we're going to concentrate on the audiobook, but the, uh, the um, narrator of the first two was a guy named George Guidal, who did a great job. I've listened to the audiobooks five, six times. But then Frank Mueller, who I think Stephen and Stephen King were like friends. They were actually yeah. friends. He read the next couple. What he, he read all the way through. I'm trying to see it here. Yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, he was he, a great. He, he, all the way through uh, the Dark Tower Four, he did Wizard uh, through Wizard and Glass, but then he was in a motorcycle accident, oh. and he was very, very badly injured. And I think he eventually uh, died from his injuries a few years later. I think Stephen King actually even put together uh, not a GoFundMe; there was no GoFundMe back then, but sort of a, a fundraiser to raise money for his medical care. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. He was very fucked up. But his his reading when he does when George um, when I'm sorry when Frank Mueller does Rio of the Coos, it's chilling. His his voice the way he can jump between characters and do voices that that are so individual and distinct. Mm -hmm. It's like ten different people reading the book to you. He was, I can't say enough about how much I love. Not that George Godal or I'm sorry Frank Mueller who did the first couple and then the last couple when mm -hmm. when uh, when George couldn't do them anymore wasn't great too, but. He was on a, that, that uh, George Vidal was on a different level. He's since passed. I, I, listen to the audiobooks and just try not to be uh, so impressed with yeah. his ability to jump between characters just seamlessly. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. unbelievable. I can't say enough. Yeah. Who else has listened to the audiobooks? I'm sorry. Anyone else? No. I don't do audio. Just me? 
Um, the I, only I, laser like, I, have I think a she's you in my crystal. Hand. I'm a bibliophile. No, not crystal. So just me. So Crystal's introduction to the Dark Tower series is a little different from everybody else. Crystal doesn't have a lot of time to read. Um, <clears throat> so my ex-husband was a really big Stephen King fan, a uh, really big comic book fan and stuff. And so he got excited that this came out in a comic book series and he got excited that this became a graphic novel uh, series. So he bought all of the graphic novels. Uh, now, if you are... Um, close to someone who's a comic book collector or uh, that kind of uh, person, you're not allowed to touch them. So um, I had to sneak and read the graphic novels. So I, I haven't read the actual novels. I read the graphic novels. Uh, well, you know, fun fact, uh, Ref Macchio is responsible for those. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad. I'm glad too, because uh, the digital, Pictation of how you know everything splayed out in front of you. Uh, I think that helped kick me off as far as the gunslinger. It wasn't that bad. I want to say what forty pages. <laughs> you could have made it, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> and the artwork but, is absolutely stunning. But yeah, I had read Stephen King. I think my first Stephen King novel was Cujo. Uh, I think I was like seven uh, and read Cujo, and then oh, wow. went, yeah, and then went into The Shining and. Um, yeah, and and things from there, but I'd never read these actual novels, just the graphic novels. See, I gotta when it, I ha, if I have to defend myself with that whole forty page thing, I have a rule, and if I get a book and it by forty fifty pages, if it hasn't like hooked me, if I'm not like invested in it, I'm out. Like, I, yeah. Time, yeah. you know, time is <laughs> is the only currency and... I care about right now, and I don't mm -hmm. have time to waste reading a book that I'm, I'm not a novelist in. and I feel like that's part of our job is to make you fucking interested in it enough at that by 40 pages you should be invested yeah well, I have a yeah I have a similar rule about music you know back when you you would buy an actual album or CD or whatever you didn't have where you could download or LimeWire or anything Napster um you yeah, if, if I couldn't uh, hear three songs off of that album that hooked me I wasn't buying that out. Yeah, yeah. I do this. I do the same thing with with TV shows or series. If yeah. if by the second episode I'm not hooked, like, sorry. Yeah, when I'm listening to a band that I don't that I don't know, it's like it's almost like they're auditioning. I give them a minute. <laughs> right. I give each song yeah. one minute, and I literally look at my thing. I'm like, okay, you've got a minute to get me, and I, I, I do the same thing with music. Yeah. 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 It's helpful in punk bands because their songs are their like songs two, are about a minute, yeah. two minutes and a half. Yeah. Ramones song, if you but don't if like Ramones, it, give it a minute and there's another song. But if the Ramones don't have you in 15 seconds anyway, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So. Right, exactly. exactly, you're wrong. That's how it is. If you don't like it, you're wrong. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, with, with Sean, um, I guess, does everybody feel like they've said anything that they, they would like to talk about with the gunslinger? Well, the one thing about the gunslinger that keeps coming back is his letting Jake fall. That That's recurring. That's in every book. Right, every, thinking, yeah. It's almost a little bit too much. If you ask me, I'd be like, fucking Jake, get over it, man. For fuck's sake. I mean, by the time, you know, we're into the fifth or sixth book, Jake knows what's going. He knows what's up. You know, it's yeah. like, come on, man. You know, you let me fall. Go then. There are other, other worlds, worlds than these. Yeah. It's like, all right, kid, you know, fuck we you. We get it. <laughs> yeah, we get it. 
I don't know. No, I'd know. still be salty, though. I feel, Jay. <laughs> you think so? I'd be salty. Like, motherfucker, your tower is so fucking important to you that my life doesn't matter. <laughs> but that's a recurring theme here. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll get there. Hey, Rolda doesn't, Rolda doesn't bullshit anybody. He says, you know, if it comes down to the tower, you... It's the tower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he infects people with his obsession about the tower. Mm -hmm. So that they're like, okay. You know? And to the point where he doesn't really give them too many alternatives in the beginning. They're well, they all like, get hooked, too. Particularly, I think, Eddie's specifically. Yeah, well, Eddie's got an addictive personality and, and Roland has an obsession. Yeah, good point. Yeah, good so point. I guess right. we'll just jump right to the drawing yeah. of the three. Yeah. From yeah. No, no, exactly. I feel the same way. This came out in 1987. 1987. Okay. The drawing of the three... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here because I, I the drawing of the three changed my world. Um, when I finally got coerced after many years by my mother, okay, you didn't like the gunslinger. Why don't you try the drawing of the three? I'm like, when I when I have to like the gunslinger though, no, no, no you'll be fine. <laughs> and I mean, immediately you were thrown in to that book, and I mean, it just like right off the fucking bat, what happens? We get, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Um, we get the lobstrosities. Oh my god! That is <laughs> yes, that a chick. I mean, like that shit was in my nightmares. Um, but so immediately, our gunslinger gets his fucking fingers out of his right hand, bitten off. He he's got this infection from these fucking things, and you're just kind of like, wow, what a fucking banger way to start this. What do right. we do now? Yeah, you know, <laughs> and then um. Then we start to get, you know, more of like our otherworldly kind of uh, themes. You know, he's going to meet, the, the, there's going to be these three doors. And we meet um, Eddie Dean, the heroin addict, um, who is the prisoner. Mm -hmm. And then we meet the Lady of Shadows, which is Odetta, also Detta. She has dissociative identity disorder. Um, and... But and you think the next one's going to be Jake, but it's not necessarily Jake. Um, Jake's involved, but it's the pusher, that Jack Mort guy. And um, so it's just this neat thing. You're walking down this fucking beach and just, you know, dealing with somebody withdrawing from heroin. And somebody who has one personality that's very sweet and the other one that's really evil and, and wants to fight everybody. And, you know, and he's just like, what the fuck? And he's pulling him from different time periods and different places. And then he ends up in the body of Jack Morton. I'm just like, wait, what about Jake? I don't, I don't understand. But, um, but yeah, this, this one just really threw me in. I mean, there's just nonstop shit going on. I was riveted. I read that book, like, front to back in, like, a day. <clears throat> I, I couldn't <throat> put it down. Yeah, this, this book was 100% my shit. Like when when this book started off on the beach and and it it described and we know we all know Stephen King is the master of description. Yeah, the dude will spend three pages explaining to you what a steak smells like. And I'm not. And, <laughs> and, and yeah, and and I'm not complaining because I mean, like I I live I live these books, and <laughs> and so you know you start on this beach with these fucking lobstrosities, you know, Dada Chim, and. It's just like like right off the bat, I'm just like, okay, I'm in this. Like you you've got my attention. Coming from from forty pages of the gunslinger and then starting out with this, yeah, I'm hooked. 
and the the doors and he's going into the you know New York but in different time periods and you know I, you have Eddie and the mob and you know he's dealing with heroin and and withdrawal and addiction and all of this stuff and then you meet Detta uh and Odetta and you know just amazing characters he's great at fleshing out some very amazing characters and you know and then the whole thing with jack mort and you know pushing jake and all of that stuff and it's just everything about this book like this was the book that hooked me this was the book that when when i started reading this and i got through that prologue and understood the gunslinger and then started getting getting into this book and i was just like okay now i like this story Okay, uh, who would like to go next? Okay, I, I the, this book completely hooked me the same way, and sp- specifically when they get to the clearing of Shardik. Uh, it's a giant robot bear with like a spinning radar dish on its head. And all those maggots and, and sprays. And it's, and it's infected with parasites. It's like, I, I think my brain was just like, all right, you know, it, it like tickled all of the little buttons in my brain. Because I realized it wasn't just going to be like alternative universes, but also like alternative technologies, no. which is what we get a lot through here. It's 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 not just they're in a different you know New York, but it's a different it's a New York that's also different in other ways too. The car names are different. The, the different the company nozzle. I just that just and I, right. And from there, I was I hit the ground running from that point. Yeah, the whole thing with Shardik was just horrifying. Well, I don't know how what? tall he was supposed to be, sure. fifty feet tall, or something. I think wasn't Shardik in Shardik's the Shardik's at the very beginning of the Wastelands. Oh, they don't introduce Shardik in the the of the third. Book. Oh, yeah, it's just the beginning of of the. So third just book. edit all that out. No, 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 no. <laughs> no just delay. Absolutely it. not. No, we will. We will get there. I want you to say it all again. But it, it's yeah. hard but to differentiate the- because the events happen on top of each other. Because yeah. it's at the you know we got the end of the mm-hmm. uh, of the drawing of three and the very beginning of the Wastelands. They're right there. And then the lobstrosities, too, because let's face it, lobsters are fucking creepy anyway. Yeah. yeah. And to have giant lobsters. Although they're delicious. But yeah, lobsters (laughs) are creepy to begin with. (laughs) Think about Zoidberg. (laughs) Zoidberg, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, anybody else? uh, Drawing of the three. Uh, I will go next. Um, So, yeah, I... Uh, like I, I said, like that, uh, my first sampling of the Gunslinger left such a bad taste in my mouth that I didn't get back into the series until years and years later. And then it was through audiobook. Although I ended up buying physical copies of the books too, because I ended up really loving the series as a whole. Um, but yeah, the drawing of the three is what hooked me. Um, it was not pretentious or boring like the first book was. <laughs> <laughs> um also just like the the character development was just so great and uh and uh, yeah it's like i didn't i didn't remember some of the details so yeah like in what must be in book three I, I didn't remember the robot bear character at all but uh uh i think uh drawing of the three is one of my favorite books in the series it's it's a close tie uh for my favorite along with book five very oh, very hard to choose between the two. so mm-hmm. we're in the same boat here <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
So, I don't really yeah, have I much to add. <laughs> um, I did want to point something out about the gunslinger that I had written down and not said. Um, it reads like how it was written. Stephen King wrote the gunslinger when he was 17. And all of us mm. who are writers know that when we're 17, we're up on our high horse thinking we're writing elevated fiction. We're reading, we're writing this like great tome of wonderful things that everybody will praise upon. Yeah, I read some shit when I wrote when I was 17. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, shut the fuck up. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, uh, Drawing of the Three was, when I tell people, and I've gotten a lot of people to read um, this series because they, they you know Stephen king books are not known for their shortness or anything like that so i'm like hey you should read this series skip the first book start at drawing of the three i promise everything that's in the first book will be covered they flash back and they talk about it enough you yeah. don't need to read it because although if you, you do fall in love with the series finish. if you do fall in love with the series you need to go back and read the first one if you skip it's, over it's, you should read it at least once yeah but yeah if they, it's much more like if you want to get into this series and yeah, skip. skip that book and then go back later and say hey i've read it once then you can enjoy it i think more, i've yeah. read it maybe twice and i'm like mm -hmm. i'm done for my life now reading <laughs> <Bud Singer>. <laughs> <laughs> so i guess we'll move on to the wastelands because i know from these later books they're they get bigger and longer and and just go on and on so they're going to sure. be more things to say about them uh the wastelands is it is such a fucking book from 1991. 1991. <laughs> Here is where uh, I really love a lot of things about this fucking book. And it's it's dark as fuck. But we have, you know, Jake is now a main character. But he's still in 1977 New York. And um, he and Roland, because Roland created a paradox by saving him from being pushed by Jack Mort in Drawing of the Three. He's created this paradox. So both Roland and Jake, Jake both have these like double memories of things that did or did not happen. They can't distinguish. So they both kind of feel like they're going crazy. And, you know, they have to go to a speaking ring, which in the, the Gunslinger, um, we see that Roland has to do that. This is one of the important things from the Gunslinger because it, it factors into everything else that happens later. He, when they go into this, a speaking ring, they have to speak with an elemental demon. And an elemental, you basically have to fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Roland fucks one in the in speaking there. ring in the first book. And that, you don't you don't have to read that to know that. It will tell you that. But uh, so they decide they have to pull Jake through. And so Eddie has to carve a key. That's his job. Roland has to go get Jake. That's his job. Susanna who, you know, um, something I didn't mention, I'm sorry, about the drawing of the three. Um, Roland gets Odetta and Detta to sort of mirror and look at each other, and they form one personality, Susanna Dean. She takes Eddie's last name because, of course, they're in love. And um, sort of, you know, I guess you can consider they're, they're sort of married. And um, But Susanna's job, I love Susanna. Her job yeah. is to fuck the demon. Yeah. Yeah. Them. yeah. So and she's and you know, like you're going through this whole like crazy scene with them, you know, of them like frantically trying to, you know, Roland drawing the door and Eddie carving the key and she's having to fuck the demon. You okay? I got him. I got him. You know, he's just like 
Um, <laughs> I don't know if my job to fuck the demon would be okay with me, but like she's a badass. She's a badass because the demon starts out being all cocky, like he thinks he knows how this is gonna go, and she turns it on his head and it's like and all of a sudden he's like, Holy shit, what have I got myself into? Literally and figuratively. Right. Yeah. He's, he's kinda got him trapped in there. Yeah, she, she like, oh, I him. got him. I got a hold of him. I love, I love. That's how you see what, what how badass Susanna is. Yeah, she fucking turns it around, takes the section. You know, the rape. She takes this rape and turns it around on the on the rapist, I guess. And the and the demon's trying to get free, and she's like, oh, he's no, trying, he's trying to get right. free of her. He's like, let me go. Like, <laughs> let no. me out of your nether yeah, regions. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I know for me with this book, like it has the three things that I love, and that is uh, Jake getting eaten by the house. <laughs> yes. And it has Oi, my Billy Bumbler. Nice. I love Oi. Who doesn't love Oi? So cute. And which which I always pictured him as almost like a possum. But then when I actually read the description on Wikipedia, like a possum is not in the description at all. He's more like a raccoon slash dog. But he's still a possum in my mind. And we have Blaine. And we don't get Mm -hmm. to Blaine until the very end. I was going to mention Blaine. Mm -hmm. But Blaine the train, Blaine the monorail. And he, he, he speaks in riddles and... It's just like the book ends with with him basically saying like, "I'll take you, but I'm gonna derail if you don't answer these riddles." <laughs> and then it ends, and you're just like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> let the games begin, is what he says. Yeah, let the games begin. Yeah, but yeah, no this this book was really good. Um, I I remember um, they go to is it Lud? Is that how you pronounce it? L U D. Yeah, Lud. Lud. And and ZZ Top, like the drums from ZZ Top are playing. Velcro fly. Yeah. And yeah, yes. man, the god drums, yeah. Um, and then you have like the clock TikTok, TikTok. man. TikTok man. Uh yeah, there's so many. It's been so long since I've read these, and now that we're talking about them, like I really feel like I want to go back and reread. Yeah, them. I know you guys. So mm-hmm. so there's another year of my life because I'm a slow reader. He's a slow reader. <laughs> Very Okay, uh, anybody else, Wastelands? Sure. Um, yeah, I uh, I have to say my favorite um, thing, other, other than what you mentioned with, like, uh, getting Jake out of the house, that's, like, a great scene. But, uh, yeah, the all of the Blaine stuff and sort of his foreshadowing in the children's book, Charlie the Choo Choo. Yes. That fake children's book is creepy as hell, and the illustrations for it are fantastic. Uh, and you can you can see like a whole um, like fake children's book online if you look up Charlie the Choo Choo and it's it's like yeah just really cool but yeah I, I love the I love all of the the Blaine stuff and uh, dang that cliffhanger ending yeah yeah and I was like that's how it fucking ends what <laughs> yeah. a lot a lot of fans got really annoyed with that I think considering the time period between that. And the release of the next book, people were like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. <laughs> Although I've always wondered if ZZ Top has ever commented on the fact that he used their music to drive the dozens of blood into a murderous <laughs> frenzy. I wonder if they've ever 
It's probably like, weren't like, because, oh, that's cool. No, let me tell you, because uh, ZZ Top makes me want to kill people. So. Aww, <laughs> Does it make you want to grow a beard? No, I can't. I can't. I'm jealous. Aww. I can't grow a beard. Neither. I hope not. That was the joke. <laughs> that was the joke, people. That's okay. No, we got it. We got it. You're among friends. We're that's smart peoples. I'm good at riddles. Me too. <laughs> I, I like I, I like uh, the the whole fact that they have to riddle their way because they have to go to Topeka, Kansas. Oh yeah. Um, Blaine's, you know, oh, everything yeah. is everything's kind of like dying out. You know, all this technology and all this shit. And and what's funny about the name Lud is if you we've heard the term Luddite, correct? Mm -hmm. A Luddite is somebody who doesn't care for technology yep <laughs> so i thought it was you know kind of clever um but so we've got you know they're in lud and, and and there's blaine the mono who you know when jake thought he was going crazy at the beginning of the book he was you know had to write that essay for school blaine is a pain and i know this to be true and <laughs> you know and he had the book charlie the choo choo or and I, and I do like the imagery where it's like, oh, the children are laughing and having fun. You look closer and you realize they're screaming and crying. Yeah, and I'm right. like, oh, that's haunting. That's yeah. some dark shit right there. But yeah, they get to Blaine and Blaine's just very logical, but like wanting to commit suicide because his partner is already dead. You know, all the technology is failing. And, um, you know, well, keep me entertained and do riddles with me. And, you know, they're all kind of skilled in their own ways about riddles, especially Roland and Eddie. But it's, uh, I, I guess I have to save that part for the next book. Yes, you will. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else for the wastelands? No, I already said my piece. Okay. Um. So then we get to Wizard and Glass. I remember when this came out. My mother got it, and I just remember that pink cover. And she was just so excited because, like, we were poor, but my mom always had money for books, which has given me a lifelong obsession. I'm a bibliophile completely. Um, you know, just love for books. But Wizard and Glass came out. Now, in this point, like, I'm reading book after book, like, one right after the other. Got a big fucking sack of them. Just went out and bought all the motherfuckers. Because I was like, oh, Drawing 3 was great. I'm going to buy everything. And so I just went right next to it. But, you know, my mom was telling me about, like, how long she had waited for Wizard and Glass to come out. And Wizard and Glass, when I get to this book, you know, so, of course, we, it picks up right where Wasteland ends. And the riddling contest is happening. Mm -hmm. And and who is the one that beats Blaine? It's, it's Eddie. Because he does an illogical riddle. And Blaine cannot contemplate that. So <laughs> derails the, he, you know, he kind of just derails and, and they're in Topeka. They made it, right. you know, and I'm like, Eddie's the shit. Yeah. Yeah. Although I have to say, if, if my destination were Topeka, I would want to derail long before getting there. <laughs> right. right. Feed, right. feed me to the fucking mutants. But it plays into that sort of Wizard of Oz theme we get a little bit in this book. Yeah. Yes. But before that, we start uh, what will become kind of a thing in these books, a story within a story. Um, so, you know, they're, they end up in the Topeka after this, the events of The Stand, which we know Randall Flagg has appeared in many books, Eyes of the Dragon, 
um, you know, the stand be, being one. Um, he's in this book in many different forms. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walter O'Dim, you know, uh, Martin mm-hmm. Broadcloak, the uh, sorcerer that was fucking his, um, Roland's mom. Um, you know, he's so many characters. But so this is after the events of the stand and they go by the thinny and he's like, put bullets in your ears. And the thing won't bother you. I'm like, listen, I'd rather let that thing let me go insane than put a fucking bullet in my ear. Right. Nuts. You goddamn nuts. Yeah. Not put a fucking bullet in my ear. <laughs> that part always bothers me. I'm sorry. Big, big, all caps in my notes. No fucking bullets in my ear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's the point of the bullets in the ears is they're an instrument of death for the most part. But in this particular instance. It saved them. Yeah, they can be yeah. a salvation. Not, and, and not I think, that I believe that, but no. But I think within the story confines and in the whole story itself, like all the books, that's a very much true about the bullets. Mm-hmm. But the the whole story within the story. Once I got to that part, I was a little thrown. I and this is the mm-hmm. biggest complaint that I hear about Wizard and Glasses. Like when he starts telling about when he's fourteen and he wanted to earn his guns. It was the youngest anybody had ever done it as gunslinger back in Gilead. And, and, you know, um, one thing bears mentioning, we've mentioned, you know, the Western and the fantasy, but we have a little bit of, like, Knights of the Round Table here, too, which yeah. is sort of what the gunslingers were compared to. Um, you know, when people would say, Roland of Gilead, <gasps> there's a gunslinger. Oh, my God, a gunslinger. You know, like, like he's a knight. He's the last knight left. <coughs> and, and Gilead is no more because the world has moved on, as they say a lot. I'm sorry, I'm going on a little bit about Wizard and Glass. I, I, I knew I would do this. <laughs> um, but the story within the story is the 14-year-old Roland. I'm like, I don't... At first, I was kind of like, what the fuck? Because it, it, it reads like its own book. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but I was still back there at the thinny with them. I don't know <laughs> right. how I feel. But then I get involved in this this fucking story. And, and I really start to love this, this story within the story. And because um, he's just telling them this fucking story about oh the first time that i had to deal with the thingy i'm just kind of like okay um you know and it's just we get this backstory um on roland which we don't get a lot of up until this point and um yeah so we find out how he got his guns and that his father sent away and i always say it, the mehis i've never heard an audiobook of it but it seems very like it's almost like a mexico so I pronounce it the Mexican way that where the, the J would be an H, but I may be pronouncing it a different way than it's pronounced correctly or how audiobooks, you know, say it. But with her name being Susan Delgado, you right. know, it just, it made sense to me. So that's just my candy's little interpretation, but whatever. <laughs> Susan Delgado, the, my other quote that I almost picked that I love second to this one is Roland, I love thee. Um, I got really involved in their love story. Um <laughs> And it, it's just such a tragic tale and some little bit of backstory as to what goes on behind those denim eyes that he calls them. Hmm. You know, this hardened gunslinger who'll sacrifice fucking anybody to get to his obsessive dark tower. But he once was deeply in love and and you just get so sucked into it. And I don't know, I'm going on and on, but whatever. By the time that story was over, I forgot that, oh, that's not this whole book. <laughs> and it comes you come back out and you're like, oh, shit, that was a good story because I forgot that this wasn't the whole book. I'll stop there for now. 
Well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of like Dave. Like, I enjoy a good backstory. And, you know, you get that in this. And you find out, like, you know, who Roland is and where he came from. Um, and some of these previous adventures, you know, things like that. But the thing with this book that, like, really, like, set it off for me was when they get to Topeka and you realize that this is the same Topeka from the stand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was like when I started to realize, and there may have been in previous books, other little, you know, um, Easter eggs or whatever from his other stories. But that's when I started to realize, holy shit, we've just entered Stephen King multiverse. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> right. And you know, All and things mul- serve the beam. multiverse is a huge thing right now. And, you know, this is, this was one of those things where it was like, holy shit, they just ended up, you know, you see this, the graffiti about the walking man and, you know, the super (laughs) flu, Captain Trips and all this stuff. And I'm like, holy shit. Like that was, that was from the stand. Like, you know, what the fuck? And we'll find out later that there's more to come. But this was like that, the one part that of this, of this whole series that when it, when I got there, I was like, oh my God, like. How does this relate to that book? And I feel like Charlie Day, like with the the thumbtacks and the thread, like you know, the fucking, <laughs> you know, making my own. Do you conspiracy own the complete theory. concordance? I I do because you <laughs> I do. own it. I do. Um, but yeah, and so then we get to his, you know, to his story within a story, and you know that was it was good. I mean, it was interesting, and you find out, you know, some things about him. Uh, we meet. Rhea of the coos, you know, and and that crazy bitch, and and the oh, uh, I love her. Oh God, she's like fiddling <laughs> oh, with her. Merlin's grapefruit, as they call it, the uh, the wizard's glass. Um, but yeah, no, I mean it's this isn't my favorite book in the series, but it, it's it's got some interesting things. I it kind of diverges a little bit with that whole story within a story. But I think it's it's needed. I think it's needed because it helps you get to know who Roland is. I've been following this guy through, you know, two other books. Now I finally get to know, like, a little bit of backstory about him and find out who he really is. Why he's such a jaded motherfucker. Right, yeah. Um, Wizard and Glass? Well, we uh, we find out, don't we find out, Wizarding Glass, that the guns that the gunslingers hold were actually made from the metal of Arthur Eld's sword? Talking about Arthurian legend, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and he was like sort of the original. Well, he wasn't a gunslinger, I guess, but I thought that was neat. That really uh, struck me as uh, appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. So there's sort of like the last defenders, you know, but he's the he's the last one. Yeah. So the technology has advanced somewhat from swords to guns, but I like that the fact that the metal, the actual metal of the sword is what the guns are made out of, which is why they're so revered and special. I thought that was kind of neat. And giant. Yeah. Yeah, apparently they're huge, right? I love that, like the cops in New York in the earlier book, when they see this gun, they're like, Jesus Christ, the size of this gun. (laughs) And cannon. How can he even lift it? That That was amusing. <clears throat> so yeah this one um i have to confess it's not uh my favorite in the series not my least favorite either but uh 
I, I just feel like it, it kind of threw the pacing off because like part three, this like goes crazy. And then it has that cliffhanger ending. And then it's like, you can't wait for that, you know, to be resolved in book four, but it's like, no, let's drag it down with this long backstory and a romance. And then I'm like, ah, like I, I guess I don't mind the backstory, but I don't like it in this part of the series. I would have been fine with the backstory being the first book and just have the original gunslinger fuck off. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But I I did like the, uh, you know, like sort of the the wraparound parts in Wizard of Glass, especially the stand tie-in, because that's that's just really cool how he incorporates, uh, you know, like bits and pieces of his other fiction and this uh, particular work. Okay. Um, anybody else? Anything they want to share about Wizard and Glass? Uh, Crystal? I'm good. <laughs> She's fine. <laughs> I'll just add on a couple things. Uh, the reason that I don't <laughs> like Rhea of the Coos is because like, she's literally molesting Susan, who's going there to be the gilly of, like, the yeah. big shot in town. And it's like, and, and and she kind of hypnotizes her. But then when she remembers, when Susan remembers, she's like, oh, that fucking bitch. What did she <laughs> yeah. do to me? You know, and just that whole, we have, uh, you know, finding out about the, the wizard's glass, um, that it's addictive. Because Rhea is like slowly like wasting away, and her animals are dying, and everything. Cause she can't stop looking at it. She's well, not this bathing. Was, she's not eating. Yeah. This, this was one of the you know one of the big. Well, I, I should say there's there's two big things in this that reminded me directly of Lord of the Rings. Yes. The wizard wizard's glass is is very similar to the palantir, uh, or the palantir, however you want to pronounce it, from <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Which was the seeing stones that that Saruman got that he could communicate with Sauron, um, which which turned him, you know, uh, bad. But then the other one being that uh, um, Roland is the last of his of his line is very similar to Aragorn being the last of the the Dunedain um, bloodline, and you know, king of the. Uh, um, king of uh, Ardor, you know, whatever it was. But, you know, it's, it's very similar to Lord of the Rings. And and I know that he he used a lot of, of uh, um, he got inspiration from Lord of the Rings, got inspiration from the legend of uh, Arthur. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's and, interesting. And he loves Westerns. So. Right, yeah. And so it's interesting reading this because it's like you're getting that feel from, you know, the Arthurian lore and the Lord of the Rings uh, but you're getting it in that Western format. You know, I know he took some inspiration from like Seven <coughs> Samurai. Yes. So, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's interesting because you see all of these, all of these things that I enjoy and they're kind of melded together in these stories, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was, um, the first time that I read Wizard and Glass, I was like Erica, where I was like, wait the fuck up. This is like, um throwing the whole pacing of this off and it does yeah but like on a subsequent reading i i enjoyed it much more like okay it's kind of important that we do that little pacing issue because then things you know the 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 pacing of each book is very different um the only two that really match each other 
um, are Drawing of the Three in the Wastelands, but they were written closest together until we get to the late books. Um, and so the pacing sort of matches. But uh, yeah, Wizarding Glass was years later, so... Uh, and I think that it was time for that story. It was time for him to sit down. Let me tell you a tale. Let's palaver. And, um, you know, I, I like that they use some of these terms that are just really old, old terms. Yeah. Uh, in language. Um, you know, the high speech or whatever. You know, like, it's, it's really, like, this is so complicated and so well thought out. But I don't know. It made sense to me later on. Not the first reading, but the second reading. I was like, I get it. I yeah. get it. So, yeah, uh, it didn't bother me the second time. The first time, yes, it did throw me. So, we get on Wizard and Glass. I believe so. Now we go on to my favorite. Um, yes. And I've made no no secret of this in past conversations. We get to Wolves of the Kala. And, and I, I like to think that, I mean, I would argue the point that this is the best book of the series. I would actually argue that point. I have a whole presentation, yeah. but um, I don't quick, think I need to do that here. Real quick, <laughs> but came, I could. came out in 2003. Yes, it did. And uh, <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you, Cy. Um, Milady. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, this this book, uh, I, I love the, and speaking of pacing, this book paces beautifully. We do have some stories within stories. But one of the most wonderful things is that we have the return of Father Callahan from Salem Slut. And the way that Stephen King described it is he's like, Father Callahan was always rattling around in the back of my head. Like, what happened to him? When, you know, because we know it in Salem Slot, he went to touch, to go into the church and, and the, the, the doorknob burned his hand. That's and then so. he just disappears. We don't fucking know. And yeah. then... Where does he turn up? They're in Calibre and Sergis, and there's fucking Father Callahan cross-carved in his head, which we get all the backstory on that. And this is where we start to learn about our different types of vampires. Because clearly he fought our, well, what is it, the rare ones, the, the type 2? Type 1. Oh, was it type 1? Yeah, there was well, type, type, type one. 1s and type 3s. I, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. the I type 1s are like your, the rarest because they're, they're traditional types. But we and then we have the the Loman, which uh, if you read anything, which I don't suggest, uh, like the Regulators or any Desperation, they're in those. I oh. love Desperation. Yeah, me too. You hey. guys are the first two people I have ever oh. heard actually say that. Not so much the Regulators, but I love Desperation. Oh, I, I like the I wish Regulators. I have man. tried so many times. <laughs> I need, I guess I'll just try again. I I'll okay. keep trying. <laughs> I own it, but I keep trying. I've tried for about I don't know fifteen years now. I'll try again. <laughs> you guys can open up my eyes here. Never give um, up. Now, yeah, never going to give it up. Never going to let it down. Okay. But <laughs> the thing is, is so we, we learn about these, this sort of concept of, of like psychic vampires, um, <laughs> which is something that Joe Hill, his son, would later on, you know, write about. And we go into more depth with uh, as the series goes along. Um, but the Loman, we're looking for Callahan. And because um, he found out he could see um, these type three vampires. And, um, you know, he ended up becoming like this complete alcoholic and just, you know, his life wasn't a whole fucking mess. But regardless, he ends up in Midworld. And 
the way station and all that. But he but he goes to the Caliburn Sturgis and, you know, he started a church. But he's got Black 13, which is a different, um, you know, wizard glass. But it's really evil. And he keeps it in the church, which is, I was like, whoa, dude. <laughs> You're edgy as fuck. <laughs> what I love about this, this book the most is that it's so independent of its of everything else in the series it reads differently it has its own rhythm um we still have the same themes but i like how it's like they have they get to know um <clears throat> little by little the story of this this kala or like sort of town um where almost all the children are born twins and these wolves as they called them which are actually these like humanoid robots look like Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom. <laughs> Come and take one of the twins, which is why they always had twins. They would take one of them and they'd be gone for a while and they'd bring them back and they would call them root, meaning they were ruined because they would mm -hmm. grow to massive size and they would die early. And um, so they're like, you know, you, you need to help us fight off the wolves. And I, one of my favorite fucking things in the whole series is the women who throw the plates and the mythology behind fuck it. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. And of course, Susanna is right fucking in there, like just killing it. Yeah. I love Susanna so much. But um, yeah, so like the women who throw the plates, though, that, man, they're fucking badasses. They're like saving the day and shit. You know, all the men have the guns, but the women have these fucking plates where there's only one place you can grab them because they're razor sharp everywhere else. And I like the story behind it. I won't go into the whole fucking story, but there, you know, the story of the the man who killed like this woman's entire family and he didn't want, you know, he he desired this woman. And the woman was like, well, let's dine together. And he's like, okay, well, you have to come naked. So I know you're not carrying any weapons, but she had sharpened the, the edges of the plate. So in order to kill him. So she grabbed the plate by the one part it wasn't sharpened and threw it and cut his head off. And so as a tradition, the women in the Kella would throw plates. So fucking awesome. I know, yeah. it's badass. <laughs> they're all armed with these fucking baskets full of the, the plates, they know where to grab them and they're just, they're the one kicking ass, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Mm. <laughs> but I, I could go on and on, I'll stop there and let somebody else pick up. <laughs> yeah, this this book, I mean, like I said at the beginning, Salem's Lot, my favorite Stephen King novel. And when Father Callahan shows up, that was that was it. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I, I get to pick up with this character. Totally disappeared from the novel that I love. And here he is all of a sudden. And you know after, how hard it was to keep that a secret from you? I was like bouncing up and down. <laughs> right, right. Um, no, it, you know, and, and coming from... from you know, finding out that his novels are kind of intersecting with the whole, you know, the stand reference with Topeka. And then all of a sudden Callahan pops up and it's like, holy fuck, like, are you fucking kidding me? And then, you know, the Dr. Doom reference, you get, they're using lightsabers. They've uh -huh. got, you know, the Harry Potter. And speeches. Yes. Speeches, you know, and, and. Just, I mean, this book was so fucking good and probably my favorite out of all of them. Yep. And it, just everything about this book that I love, the plate throwers, like, fuck the patriarchy. Like, give me women that can throw fucking plates <laughs> all day, all fucking day. Um, 
just yeah everything about this book and then it all ends with this book called Salem's Lot mm-hmm. written by Stephen King and I'm like what <laughs> are you fucking kidding me like like literally Stephen King wrote this book and Stephen King's a character in this book like that was like that was when I w- my mind was just like what the fuck have I gotten myself into? <laughs> the meta of the meta. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Hurdles so all the way down. <laughs> yeah. Poor Callahan finding the book and, you know. Right. Trying, Realizing, trying. like, my whole life was a lie. Right. Like, what the fuck? Like, could you imagine if you, like, you stumbled across a book and you started reading it and realized that it was y- your life? It's like in, in the mouth book. of madness. Right. Yeah. Yes. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. But isn't that what people who believe that, you know, God has counted the hairs on your head, that everything, you know, he's, he knows your life from the moment, you know, before you were even born. I think that's, mm-hmm. yeah. that, that's Callahan's point. It's like, so, so nothing I've done matters because it's all predestined anyway. Right. Well, I think at some point, don't they, and maybe in, a, in the next book, but don't doesn't Roland at some point think that this Stephen King character is God? Yes, he does. Yeah, they, they all do. Yeah, they they think that he's a god because he's writing mm-hmm. their story. And I love when they meet him. He's just Yeah, I love Callahan. I I love stories about redemption, and Callahan is the old. He goes out such a bitch in Salem's Lot. Yes, he mm-hmm. just he's so full of himself, and he tries, and he just. And I, I just love his story. I love him so much. I love the story, his backstory about him just, you know, schlepping through the dregs of life. He's just a drunk who works for uh, those, um, you know, uh, day-to-day um, called manpower, those uh, places where you can go work for a day or whatever. Temp services, and he, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and he finds himself and he, and he sort of slowly drifts into the world of Roland through these weird bridges, which I never quite understood the whole thing with the bridges and the you know uh, that he finds across the river and somehow new jersey becomes sort of the epicenter of this whole thing Toxic sledge. yeah i don't know what that's all about they <laughs> used to live there you should know i, I try to block <laughs> uh, but the fact that he gets to his redemption is what i love particularly we haven't it's not it's in the next book i think where he goes out like mm-hmm. a champ he yeah. goes out like a fucking hero and i yeah. love that because his, his the beginning of his story and sounds a lot it's not it's the opposite of heroic. He's a you know he's pointless, useless. Yeah, false With priest. Full of hubris. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, Barlow calls him a false priest, and, and he realizes priest. he it, and he realizes he is. Yeah. So I, I just love his whole story arc. Absolutely. So maybe my favorite thing in the entire series. Oh yeah, I, I agree with that too. Oh, sorry, Crystal. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I'm just uh, yeah. This is like possibly it's it's right up there with like uh, maybe a close tie for my favorite book in the series as well very hard to pick a favorite like there are like three particularly strong ones that i could think of but this is you know definitely close and yeah my favorite aspect of this uh book was the callahan uh subplot as well and it, it, I do just like seeing like this this whole like Stephen King multiverse expanding. So you have the Salem's Lot tie-in. You have the tie-in with um, uh, what 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 was that short story in Hearts in Atlantis? Oh uh, uh, God, I didn't write it down. Because um, Hearts in Atlantis lo- is not my favorite book. 
it was like low low men and yellow coats or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It it ties in with that as well. So I mean, I but there's just so much that's just great about this book. It has so much heart. Um, the just the storytelling and the character development is just top notch. So there, I I just can't say enough good about it. And it's definitely one I need to revisit. And technically, I should revisit the entire series at this point because it's been like, like a decade. Once you're going to do one, you might as well go all the way in. Exactly. Maybe not the first one, but definitely. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> no, come yeah, on. yeah, that's fair. Aww. One of us. Maybe, one of us. One of us. Maybe get the graphic novel for the first one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The graphic novels like are I, great. Yeah. They are. I like how Stephen King said that uh, his influence for this one was Akira Kurosawa Seven Samurai uh, hmm. and the Magnificent Seven. Um, and you can you can tell that by the way that this one reads uh, and how that, that sets up for the next book. Yeah, the, the tragedy starts happening. Mm-hmm. And the thing about the Wolves of the College, you get to finally see them fulfill their true purpose. They are a fucking content that kicks ass against evil that's what they do you know it's 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 unambiguous in this story it's they they get to be what they were meant to be and they do it really well yeah because in this obsession (laughs) for the dark tower you know and and on that quest and following the beam because they realized sorry about my voice tonight when they killed shardock who was one of the you know the bear maggoty robot (laughs) thing the wastelands that that's one of the guardians of the beam and the beams hold up the tower, and the tower is the world. Where mm-hmm. I'm going with this is, is that, you know, we they say a lot, all things serve the beam. And um, so they're following the beam, but here we are in Wolves of the Cow, they're like, hey, we need help. And it's like, Roland, this is what you're supposed to fucking do as a gunslinger. Help these motherfuckers. So they do. And um, I think that's an important, that we get that. But, uh... And we get a true unambiguous victory, which I love. Stephen King is yes. so, his, his good and bad is so ambiguous. It's sometimes maddening. I love the simplicity of the, you know, the wolves of the cow. We The good guys win, and that's all there is to it. We do mm-hmm. have some casualties, some treachery, but it, it just reads yeah. almost like its own thing. Without, you know, I think if this were like, you put different character names on there and whatever, it would be its own standalone book. It has its own cadence and rhythm and and, and just redemption arcs and, and just things. Like, we didn't really need everything like that, but it, it, it works so well within the story. It's such a different tone. Um, <clears throat> but the end of this book, shit starts to get real crazy because we realize that Susanna is pregnant. Yes. <laughs> and... It's, it's, now this is where it gets fucking weird. Um, because Stephen King is fucking weird. The elemental demon. <laughs> okay, here we go. The elemental demon, the Roland fucked in the speaking ring in the gunslinger, and the elemental demon that Susanna fucked, um, to get, you, you know, in the wastelands to get Jake through, they're the same because they're sort of genderless. And so basically, it retained the sperm from Roland. And then when it, like, rapes Susanna, and she rapes it back, she gets that. So she's Girl pregnant power. with Roland's kid. But it turns out this elemental 
um, made a deal with Walter O'Dim, Randall Flagg, whatever you want to call him, to become mortal so she can bear a child. Chooses the the gender of a female so she can be pregnant and have a child. And she's using, so here we are with Susanna who just, you know, her, her personality is merged. She doesn't have dissociative identity disorder. And now she's this white lady too. And the white lady is in control because she's like, I'm going to have my baby and I got to use you to do it. <laughs> Poor Susanna. So she, they take black 13 and they close off the door and leaves everybody there. And <clears throat> they're trying to, you know, figure it out. Like what the fuck's going on? And that's how this book ends. Yeah. What a way to end it, too. It was in, ends with these fucking cliffhangers, man. Yeah. Well, especially in this series. You're just like, dude, you can't end it like that. Yeah. Well, luckily, like George, unlike George R.R. R. Martin, he releases he the next book really fucking quick. Right. George R.R. R. Martin says, fuck you. When I want to write, I'll sneeze and it's write. It's ready when it's ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. George Martin has written video games, other books, movies, shows. television shows. And I'm still waiting on fucking Winds of Winter. So. Which was announced uh, for 2011. You know, I have a theory he's written it. I do And too. then when he dies, they're going to be like, Oh, look what we found in I the think, vault. I think he's trolling everybody. That's what I said. I said, I said that motherfucker has been written for a while. I told yeah. Candy because at the end of Dance of Dragons, um, he, there is a a uh, like a, a chapter of Winds of Winter at the end of Dance of Dragons. Yeah. And so I'm like, I told Candy, I said, I'm like, he's already written it, and I think he was waiting on the end of season eight of Game of Thrones to see yep. what the reaction was. And, and because the reaction was so poor, he's probably like, fuck it, I got to rewrite this now. Yeah. So I don't uh, know. That's my theory. But well, I'm still fucking like waiting. that. He better fucking. Yeah. But unlike him, Stephen King put out the next one a year later. He was writing like the wind. Yeah. The graphic novels came out like. Um, either two weeks behind each other or like a month behind each other. I remember um, getting them pretty quickly in succession. Yeah. And they were nice. I, I used to have quite a few of them, but mm. along with some other things, there are things I no longer have. But that's okay. I'll get them again one day. Um, working on that stuff. So our, that brings us to our next book. And if you recall our Stephen King literary discussion, that was a general one. We picked things that books that we liked short story we liked a book we didn't really like and a short story we didn't really like now i i chose this as the the book i didn't like now this is by no means the worst stephen king book i just picked it because it was something to talk about and something different uh to put into that slot but we come to song of susanna yes and this came out in 2004 correct and so Song of Susanna, it's not a bad book. There are parts of it that I really, really love. But uh, I think the way I described it on that show, I'd have to go back a couple seasons. <laughs> it was like, here you are walking along the street and suddenly you step in dog shit and its name is Song of Susanna. Um, <laughs> wow. But I don't feel that way about the entire book. There are things that I would save and things I would throw out. Um, I think that my biggest bitch, um, just hearkening back to that conversation is you know because 
Mia's like heavily pregnant, you know, like you're a demon, you can get quickly largely pregnant very fast. It just happens. <laughs> and so, you know, she's walking around there. She's supposed to go to the Dixie Pig to deliver this baby. And Susanna's stuck up in the mind. Now, here, here's where I was just like, okay, shut the fuck up. <laughs> so there's like these dials she can control the labor on how hard the labor is and whatever. <laughs> and I'm like... What are we doing? Are you, we just jerking off here? <laughs> right. Like, you throw me into this wild scenario. It's a mix of genres. And all, like, exactly. And, and I'm like, and then you're going to give me her sitting in the brain at a computer panel controlling how hard the labor is. I'm like, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> but there are things that I do like about it. And I don't think I, because I, I think I was just mostly bitching last time. But we, we get to meet Stephen King. Well, they realize it's not God. I love the the trick that Roland can do that I wish I could do, where he hypnotizes with the coin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Realize, like he's mostly left-handed now. What he calls <laughs> stupid hand, but, you know, he's still amazing with it. Probably better than I am with my right, and I'm right-handed. But um, but he hypnotizes him with that, and then finds out, you know, Stephen King's this alcoholic guy um, who, but he has been tasked to be the servant of writing this tale of the tower, and they need him to continue to write it because, you know, the beams are falling apart and they have to get to the tower and it's very important. You know, his job is important. <laughs> and so they, you know, ask him these questions and kind of get him back on task. And, you know, it, I think it's interesting because it brings to light, you know, Stephen King's actual real problems. It brings some of his <laughs> real life stuff in there in a fictionalized manner. Um where, you know, he, he was an alcoholic and a drug addict and, um, you know, had lost sort of the fervor to work on these stories. And they're like, you have to write them, you know, so Roland sort of hypnotizes that into him. And then um, one thing that we didn't mention before I forgot to, there's just so much, it's hard to remember everything, you know, even though it's right in front of me. Um, I just feel like I'd talk the whole time, but... The rose, the symbol of the rose is so important in this entire series yeah mm-hmm. and they find that there's this one rose in this vacant lot next to this bookstore that they go to owned by calvin tower and the rose is actually the dark tower their world so they they're, they're doing all the stuff to fight the sombra corporation to save this rose which they managed to do but um yes yeah, so, and they need stephen king to keep writing stories but the way this one ends they find out he's gonna get he's gonna get killed uh in 1999 he's getting <clears throat> struck by a van and killed and they're like oh shit that can't happen right <laughs> which was a real thing that happened he didn't die but right he yeah. kind of makes that make sense yeah <laughs> yeah and i think you know i'm kind of with you on this like like this book definitely wasn't my favorite of the series um you had I, I think the the two things that I really enjoyed about it was they meet Stephen King, which which made it really interesting because it's like, okay, the author of the book wrote himself into the book, but it's his real life self. And it's like, you know, he's he's not fictionalizing himself. Like he really is an alcoholic. He really is, you know, uh going to get hit by a van. You know, and all of these things really did happen. And and the other thing that I really liked was that they took Callahan and Jake took Black Thirteen and they put it in the World Trade Center, 
Yes. Yeah. And put it in the locker okay. and kind of hinted that, you know, 9-11 was going to happen and bury Black 13, which, you know, when I read that, I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of fucked up. That's pretty dark. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, this was this was one of those books where it was like, yeah, it was kind of a slog and it was kind of, you know, it wasn't a whole lot that I was really into. But it was leading up to something great. It was leading up to the encounter at the Dixie Pig, which turns out to be pretty fucking epic. Yeah, I equate this to like a filler episode on uh, an anime. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, the Rose situation reminded me of Beauty and the Beast. And then, um, you know, you find out she's pregnant and everything. That reminded me of Rosemary's Baby. And then with her fighting in her mind, reminded me of Twilight. <laughs> you know, it, it just had all of these things. I'm like, oh, God, what are, what are we going to do? But I can tell you the, the panels that they used to hide the Black 13 in the graphic novel in the World Trade Center, that, those panels are amazing in, in the graphic novel because it kind of shows you them hiding it and then it flashes forward to 9-11, but in the most respectful way that they could do it. Right. Um, but, yeah, it, it, this this novel for me was kind of all over the place and kind of him trying his best to tie up any loose ends possible to go forward. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I'm I'm also kind of of the opinion that this was not one of the best books in the series. I also found it kind of slow. I didn't care for a lot of that pregnancy uh, plot line. Um, I, I do like the meta aspect, but I, I tend to really love meta stuff. Um, and it didn't feel out of place in the series because in book three, you already have this I idea that uh, works of fiction are actually mirrors to things going on in uh, other other worlds, uh, you know, with the Charlie the Choo Choo thing. So it, it makes sense that then these characters would realize that they've been written about in supposed work of fiction. So I thought that was actually a, a good way to introduce Stephen King as a character without kind of breaking the established rules of the series. Um, but that said, this um, I'm not necessarily looking forward to revisiting this one. When I do get back to the series, it was just kind of like, eh. yeah. <clears throat> Dave, Stephen King. We talked about it earlier. How he can go on. What Sean say? He can take 18 pages describing how a steak smells. Yeah. That, that was hilarious. <laughs> because whenever he starts talking about dreams in his books, I was like, oh Jesus Christ, hold on. He goes on for pages and pages about dreams. <laughs> I love book, it. And this book, I, I, that stuff, I just like, uh, just skip over that shit. Aww, Get to some killing. <laughs> I think of all, I think of all the books, this is the one that encompassed most of the stuff about Stephen King that I don't like. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, this one was just sort of a pass over for me. You, you kind of have to read it to get to the last one, but uh, it's not one. It's certainly not my favorite in the series. It's, it's maybe my, it might be my least favorite in the series. To tell you the truth. So, like I said, it's the filler episode in the yeah, anime. It's like, can yeah. we get on with it, please? Yeah. It's like it, it it sets up some really awesome stuff, but it doesn't accomplish anything. 
Right. I just want to get there. Right. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's the bridge. Yeah. Like the cool stuff that I would save. And this is actually the biggest complaint um, about this series from readers is that Stephen King wrote himself in. And I'm like, how could he not? Right. Especially if they found, you know, Salem's Lot and they thought he was God and they, you know, trans transpass into the world and, and go to my next book it's really really important that he's a character yeah. right mm-hmm. you I, know. Think that's a part of, I think that's part of his sort of self uh, sort of part of his recovery from his accent he was right he was uh, it was he was you know writing to uh, keep his sanity yeah, yeah. exactly why, he it, was. You know, why and, and gotta, not relapse yeah and mm-hmm. not relapse yeah not, not and also why did it, i almost died for no reason you know because this schmuck was fucking with his dog in the back of this van yeah yeah which I got, I got to tell you, the greatest story is the fact that he bought that van. I was gonna say that, yeah, and destroyed <laughs> destroyed the absolute fuck out of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you've got the money, wouldn't you? Right, fuck yeah. And he yeah. didn't want some fan buying it, some crazy fan buying it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. morbid. Yeah, but well, people are fucked. Yeah, they are. Really they are. Yeah, people are very Bonnie and Clyde's death car. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly that kind of it's- phenomena. It's like, like a ooh, wow. Bronco, the white Bronco. And yeah. then you've got um, uh, OJ. Gacy's, yeah, Gacy's is art, is artwork. artwork yeah. Which is really, there was really some shitty fucking art. I don't know why people it's want terrible. it. It's terrible. It's awful. It's, it's not talented. Look, at all. I have this painting by a murderer. Yeah, well, I, I gotta go. I remember <laughs> in the I remember in the late nineties, um, there's a record store here called Luna Music and I remember going there, and they had a Charles Manson record. And, and his music is shit. His music is absolute dog shit. But that oh, record <laughs> was like a hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, and people want to People will fucking pay yeah, it. Yeah, and people you can will keep pay it. it. Yeah, people will pay it, and it sounds like shit. And he was it's a like, piece there's of shit. one thing to be interested in true crime because you want to know psychology or whatever, yeah. but it's another thing. Like, oh, I want to own the van that hits Stephen King. I'm such a big fan. I'm like, no, you're a psychopath. Yeah, yeah. yeah why would you want that right. negative energy? Yeah. You know, in your, in your orbit. Right. Imagine you're on a. Imagine you're on a first <laughs> date, and you go to the dude's house, and he whips out his collection of like Gacy artwork. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, baby, our date <laughs> like, oh, well, I've got to go. Too bad we can't stay. Yeah. Too bad we can't stay. We're gonna chalk that up to a failed date. Yeah, Eric is right. over here, like trying to hide her, you know, Ed Gein fucking Casey memorabilia. <laughs> Ed Gein lampshade. I'm fucking with you. stuff. Lampshades. Ew. Cereal bowls. Okay, gross. Um, <laughs> Dark so now the time has come to move on to. Technically, the last book. Technically. Um, technically. <laughs> Not the last release, but technically, really, it, this is the ending of, of the series. And that book um, is? The Dark Tower. Released on September 21st, 2004, which was Stephen King's birthday. Yes. Because oh. we got to love those people born in September, I mean. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway, I'm just fucking around. Okay, um, so this book has, it, it's a thick fucker. Yeah. It is a thick, fu- it's a tome. <laughs> it's a big book, but it really needs all that space because you got a lot to tie up and, and get done. And this book, the first time that I read it, 
I had a couple different emotions. Mostly I was just sad. There were times where I actually shut the book and cried for a while. And then I'd read it. And then I'd have to shut the book and cry for a while. Because I've been on this whole fucking adventure with these motherfuckers. And I'm like, (laughs) what? Kill your your darlings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Literally. So we're on this, you know, whole fucking adventure the whole time. For good and for bad. And, uh, you know, I'll just skip over the, I'll let somebody else do the plot points. I just want to talk about some, a couple other things. Um, instead of like, it starts off with this or whatever, somebody else can do that. Um, for me, when, when the quartet started to break up, I guess we could say, (laughs) um, you know, the first to go is Eddie. And at this point I love Eddie. I, Mm -hmm. I'm invested in Eddie. He's such a redemption arc such a growth as a person he loves Susanna and he fucking dies and I'm just like you did not just do that to me <laughs> I was like I mean I just closed the book and I cried and then it just gets sadder mm-hmm. and I'm like okay so like just you know go in dry again why not um you know and then the very important thing that we were we were just talking about you know they know he's gonna get hit by a van in 1999, in, in I think it's June, um, 19th or whatever, uh, and they're there and they need to save his life. And who does it? Jake. Jake jumps out there, I gotta save this guy's life, and he dies. And enough to where Stephen King's injured, badly, but he's gonna live. But Jake is dead, and you're just like, Jake can't fucking die. I cried the hardest about that because Roland's realizing, like, he was my son, basically. Like, this was this was my son, and I loved him, and he buries him, and he's crying, and Oi's all fucked up about it because Oi was, you know, basically Jake's Billy Bumbler. And I'm just like, what the hell? What the fuck? <laughs> I cried so hard. Like, I get, I get really involved in my books, and I'm just like, no. I don't <laughs> like this. Roland, fuck you. This is your fault. I'm so mad at Roland at this point. That we'll get there on that one. Um, but I mean, Susanna though, she's she's hanging tough. She's in there. I mean, she's lost. They've lost Jake. They've lost Daddy. But Susanna's still going. And um, I, I know we mentioned Dandelo <laughs> in the past. Yeah. When I think we brought up Dandelo a little bit when we were talking about the cat Dandelo in the Fly. <laughs> But Dandelo, um, you know, Odds Lane, beware of Dandelo. They're always saying that he's a psychic vampire. And he's literally, like, sucking the emotions, the laughter out of them and, and, and killing them. By telling them jokes, right? By telling them jokes that they're just, like, laughing really ridiculously about. Yeah. And then they find out about the Patrick kid. Um, Patrick Danville. And Patrick Danville. And he has these powers, but... He doesn't have a tongue anymore. And he's not allowed, you know, pencils or erasers or anything like that. And they start to figure out, you know, his powers and all that <laughs> stuff. And and Susanna eventually is like, Can you just draw me a door to somewhere else? I don't I don't want to do this anymore. I don't I'm done with this. You know, you, you wanna be obsessed with the fucking tower rolling, you fucking be obsessed with the tower. I gotta go. And so he gives her a door and she goes through the door. There's another part where I cried. And she's in that like 
off world where it's like it's it's New York, but Nazala instead of Coke and the, these weird names for cars <laughs> and stuff. But there's Eddie and Jake and they're <laughs> brothers. And I'm just like Okay. Yeah. I'm like choking up a little bit. But like yeah, I was like, okay, and she throws away the gun and she's just like, I'm just gonna live my life. Right. Like this. <laughs> And didn't look, they have a dog with them? That was they had a dog with them. And and so because we also lose fucking oi. Yeah. Fucking Roland. God damn it. Fuck this goddamn book. <laughs> yeah, it's a book that just like takes your heart and like stomps it and kicks it and like calls mm-hmm. it names. I mean <laughs> it's mean. It's it's mean, but I know I'm covering I mean there's so much more to cover and I'm sure you guys will. I just had to point out the things that I, I wanted to talk about on this one because it's such a there's so much that goes on but this motherfucker always dead everybody's dead basically by him he's going through this like these roses and then the disclaimer comes up from Stephen <laughs> King mm. now how many people do you think ever listen to that the first time I read it I'm like okay well, this whole time after all the people are sacrificed everything that's happened we've been waiting to get to this fucking tower and he's like mm-hmm. If you guys want to keep your sanity, if you guys want to stay happy, just let it go. Don't mm-hmm. read the rest of the book. And I'm like, so you're telling me to read the book. Okay, I'm going to finish it. Like, I wish I could go back in time and just stop. Because you know, once I read on. It's funny yeah. you say that because I remember reading this book. And I said, hey, Stephen King told me I need to stop reading this book. And you were like, you should keep reading that book. Yeah, reverse and out. Yeah. <laughs> Draw four. Yeah. Draw four. Yeah. You made yeah, me read and it. So the first time when I, I read this book, I got to the end of it. I remember I threw the fucking book. <laughs> I'm not lying. I was on the phone with my mom screeching. I'm like, what the fuck? Let me read this whole fucking series. And that's the end. She's like, well, this time maybe it'll be different. I'm like, how many times? Yeah. <laughs> up, this motherfucker he gets but that's killed. but that's the thing how many times has he done it prior mm-hmm. oh, and there's too many to count is what it's into that right and it's like well each time you fucked up because you didn't pick up the horn of the old and it's like you dumb motherfucker yeah. and you're so obsessed with it and you will you'll sacrifice the people that you love you really don't care about anybody not even really yourself you just want to get to this fucking tower and what's inside your fuck-ups fuck no. you no anyway <laughs> I was very angry. But then upon, my mom said, my mom, and it stuck with me. She said, how else could he have ended it? Yeah. <laughs> and then I re- reread the book and I said, you're right. But the first time I threw the book. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's it's kind of like the story of, uh, uh, what is that, Sisyphus? Yeah. yeah. Constantly mm-hmm. pushing the, the boulder up the hill and it breaks. And then it comes back down. And, and he has to go it. back down and start all over again. I, I, this book was so fucking depressing right from the beginning. Yeah. The the whole Dixie Pig and Callahan sacrifices himself to save Jake. And then Jake dies. Eddie dies. Um, we get Mordred, who, I'm sorry, I thought Mordred was fucking cool. The fucking really? Spider. Because I thought he was lame. The fucking spider. Um, kills kills Oi. Which that fucking hurt probably more than anything. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? You're gonna kill my little <laughs> You're possum, such a good boy. My little Billy you Bubbler. Never <laughs> um, 
but yeah, and then and then it all ends, you know, with that ending. And like I said, Candy forced me to read. Um, forced you. You forced me. I did not force you. Literally had a gun to not. my head. You were like, read yeah, the, the gun I don't own. Yeah, yeah. sure. But <laughs> you know, mine. And yeah. and so it's like you know, and and it's this whole spiral of rebirth. It's this whole, you know, it's very Buddhist. It's very like you know, you die, you come back. You do it all over again, and you learn a new lesson each and every time. But it's like, is Roland really learning the lesson? Clearly he's no. not. <laughs> maybe, but it does hint that maybe this time he has actually the Horn of Eld with him. Right. So he can't pick it up. So right. maybe that's the time. Right. Right. And so and right. so he and so he comes he comes back and all of a sudden he's Idris Elba. And he's in a film. fucking black mamba. <laughs> uh, I, I think that was a great choice for the movie. Yeah, I think it was too. I, I, I think like, the movie was a bad choice. Idris Elba well, is amazing in everything he does. Yeah, he. I think he was a great role, and I just have issues with a lot of the other aspects of the movie. <laughs> well, I have no objections to him being Roland whatsoever. <laughs> like, do it. Have at it. <laughs> like, I love him. He's great. But you can't take an eight fucking book series and put it into it's, one fucking movie. Right. Actually, they didn't do it with Harry Potter. You can't do yeah. it with yeah, that. I'm like, even if you wanted to take it to fucking HBO and do eight seasons, do that. And they should have. That's what they should have done. Yeah. I'm, and, I'm and, campaigning. And I'll say this. I, I'm sorry. I brought it up. We're going off on a tangent. I want to let other people talk about this book. But I will say I totally understand, like, like the movie was supposed to be the sequel to the series, right? It was supposed to pick up where Roland went, went through the dark tower, how, how the, the ending of this book was the beginning of that movie, right? Because Idris <laughs> Elba has the horn of Eld in that book, in the movie. And so it was supposed to take place. Matthew McConaughey, I have always said for years would be the best Randall flag. And I think that he does play a very good Randall flag. Yeah, but, I think so. But you're right. If you're trying to condense eight books into a... Like, that should have been a fucking HBO movie. It would have made, like, Buku books, too. Yeah. 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 They, like, they how still stupid have time. are they? They still have time. I'm telling you. I'm telling it's you. It's going to happen. The, the, the Lord of the Rings series is about to come out on Amazon. If it succeeds, I guarantee you they'll... they'll yeah, it's going to happen. There's, they no, need to. There's, no, way it, there's no way it can't happen. Yeah. Okay, we right. shut up at the mouth. Uh, who wants to go next on the Dark Tower? Uh, let me just say two things I love about this book. Callahan's death, he goes out like a boss. He really does. He goes out he like really a does. fucking redemption. boss. He finally gets mm -hmm. his redemption. Although it, it does end in his death, but that's the way it had to be. Mm -hmm. And um, Mordred killing um, Randall. Mm -hmm. That scene, and I listened to it on yes. audiobook. Um, it was so, it was so, it says, did we not do a spoiler at the beginning? I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't read these books, <laughs> yeah, no. stop listening. Now. Wait a minute. <laughs> that way, damn it. Damn it. I thought it would just give itself away with the title. But, okay. but um, the, what is he? He says something about he takes Randall's hand into his maw and it's like something about a candy cane crunch. Uh, that that yeah. just, uh, that affected me. I was like, Oh, and while you're in that tin foil hat, <laughs> you know, I can appreciate the candy cane crunch working in the operating room because sometimes when you have orthopedic surgeries 
and you have to like reel on a bone or you have to like you know, get in there with hammers and screws and, and, and they use hammers in the ER. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And all kinds of stuff. It does sound like a candy cane crunch on some bones. Well, I can appreciate that. Chris, can you imagine laying there in the ER and like the one doctor says, you have to go get the hammer. You're like, what? Wait a second. What? <laughs> hammer, I think the hammer would already probably be chainsaw. There. Fucking, you know, yeah. is it weird that I'm getting an erection right now? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> Not that you've smelled the beans. You know what? I, you know what I appreciate. We finally figured out what happened to Dandelo. He's no longer floating in space. <laughs> yeah, we know where Dandelo is, and what <laughs> we know where Dandelo went. <laughs> yeah, he's not a cat. He's not a cat. <laughs> Which makes it okay. Mm. I don't want an evil cat. No. No. <laughs> then don't get a cat. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Hey, my babies are the most no, no, precious babies in the That's world. Right. And they're, they're assholes, but I love they are them. Little shitheads. Those little fuckers, I love them. <laughs> to quote Samurai Cop, I love those motherfuckers. So is it my turn, I guess, or? Okay. Um, yeah, I, this is one of my favorite books in the series. Um, I, it was like, so sad. Like I, I was listening to the, the audio book and it was back when I was working night shift at a women's shelter. And during the really dead times of the night, I'd like pop in an audio book CD, which now sounds so dated now that you can you know get audible and just <laughs> instant download everything. But I used to go to the library and check out all the Stephen King, you know, books and got through the whole dark tower series that way and so this like massive you know multi-cd set you know <laughs> yeah. um so i was like listening and i i was like seeing at the the office desk like crying intermittently because of this book right. and it's like oh they just like kill all these like characters that you've just grown to love and it, it was like it was hard i i really did love the dandelo stuff that that was a highlight for me um, I have to say, though, I did not experience the outrage that a lot of fans experienced with the ending. My um, mom I didn't it, either, though. Yeah, I, I thought it was completely appropriate. It's like, it, it did seem like this karmic wheel that he just will not get off of. He has the option to give up on the tower. It's like, you know, it's like they, they saved the multiverse, basically. They did what they needed to do. So, I mean, he could have just quit there and it would have been fine. But no, <laughs> it's that that obsessive quality of this character. So the idea of him like just reliving everything on a loop is actually appropriate, in my opinion. Yeah, and I came to see that um, <clears throat> once my mom and I talked about it, I was just mad at first because I was like, that's not what I was thinking. I mean, you, you go on this huge fucking journey and, and you're not expecting it to loop. Mm. You're not expecting it to go, Roland, you dumb fucking son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> you know, you're not expecting that to happen. I mean, because I, I was like prepared for every eventuality but that. So when my mom and I talked about it, she said, Candy, how else would, could you have ended this? And I thought about it and I like, well, I don't think there is another way. And then once I understood that, it was just like I had this rage at first, and then I was like, I got it. And now I understand, and the more that time goes by, the more I'm like, oh, okay, I get it, I get it. I totally understand. I totally am on board with it now. Because <coughs> we know that Roland is cunning, but is he smart? 
No. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Is he talented? Yes. Is he smart? No. Um, yeah, I hadn't even considered, like, the disclaimer kind of puts the reader in the same position that Roland is. Like, you could quit now and be happy, or you yeah. can through and then just be in the same miserable shit show that Roland ends up in. Correct. <clears throat> Correct. And, you know, that that's, that's actually brilliantly put, because... Uh, you know, like looking back, I'm like, man, I kind of wish I was like, no, I don't think I need to know. But you, but we have also been infected with Roland's obsession through all True. of this journey and all of this stuff that we've done. We've also been infected. So now we want to know what's in the fucking tower. After all the deaths at this point, everyone's basically dead except for Susanna, who's in a different, you know, multiverse. You know, and, um, and, and even always dead. And you're just kind of like, what was it all for? Mm -hmm. I have to know why was he just like I you know and, and there's many times throughout all of the books along the way he's like I love them but I would totally sacrifice them for the tower says it to him thinks it you know <laughs> this but when it happens you're just like what the fuck you know like just like how how could you do this um, right <laughs> but so like yeah I mean I think it's it's more of like when you think upon it and you've you've gone through the journey and you, you go back and you're like okay. I get it. I get it. It took me a minute. But, uh, yeah. But, I mean, I wish I was wiser like you and my mom. You guys, like, immediately were like, okay. Me, I was like, no. I don't accept this. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? Any reflections upon the Dark Tower? I mean, Dave, ha uh, Crystal, how do you guys feel about the ending? It was an ending. Okay. <laughs> I kept thinking of the expression about, what is it, um, repeating the same action over and over and expecting a different yeah. result. It's insanity. insanity. That's the definition and of insanity, yeah. Insanity. And Go ahead. No, and that's, and that's what, so we, that's what Roland is cursed to. Although this time... He's got the horn. That reminds me of Lucy holding the football for Charlie Brown. Yeah. Maybe this time. <laughs> like, you know what? Time. Fuck you. Uh, maybe this time I will snatch it back, motherfucker. Right. That's um, <laughs> you know, Stephen King's Yeah, Stephen King's never been known for his endings. So, you know, I and he even will joke about it and say that uh, about his novels. Uh, to the point where I think some of his newer novels, his son Joe Hill has been writing his endings. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, I, yeah, I can't be disappointed or, or say, you know, bad stuff about it because, you know, when you, you expect, you know, great outcomes and it's Stephen King, you know what you're getting into, or you should know what you're getting into when it comes to an ending. And I think that this looping, um, was the better of some of his endings. Uh, if you go and look at it, if you go and look at Cujo, uh, some of those endings, uh, or look at Misery, some of those endings uh, pale in comparison to this. Yeah, I mean, it definitely made more sense after time and thought. Yeah, maybe Joe helped him up. Just a little. This is strange. Joe's a great writer. When, Joe's one of those writers that's when he's on, he's on. Yeah. yeah. When he's not, it's not so great. 
Yeah. Yeah, like Nosferatu is a good one. Heart shaped box. Nosferatu. Oh my god, heart shaped box. Heart shaped box is a great movie. one. Imagine the pressure of being Stephen King's son. Well, that's, and, that's and why he goes by it. his middle name. But, just a, yeah, yeah, but yeah. everybody knows now. It's everybody like, knows. Looks, he looks. Oh my god, just like Stephen King. Like, but like if you go back to Stephen King in like the seventies, you got Joe Hill. It's Joe Hill. Minus the cocaine. The, right. the Stephen King who wrote Maximum, who directed Maximum Overdrive, that's Stephen King. Right? Yeah, you put Green Goblin on a semi, I'm there. Yeah? Yeah. 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 yeah I'm there. Yeah, my favorite experience of being on this podcast, uh, 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 all, all of them is uh, Sean doing the, um, no, was it Sean? It was um, Rob doing the voice of the guy who got hit in the head by the can. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. have to go back and play it. You have to go find that and play it. Ooh. Ooh. I think that was Rob who did it, actually. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> my favorite experience. So funny. <laughs> what a terrible movie! God. Oh my god, that movie <laughs> makes me want to die. And I love the fact <laughs> that they wanted to. Yeah, we'll try again with what Timothy Busfield, and we're going to make it more serious. And it was somehow even worse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a fucking. Uh, I was going to. No, I'm not going to. And it's a great story. That that's one of my favorite. Trucks is my favorite Stephen King story. It is a great. Trucks is a good story. The movie. Anyway. Off on a tangent, but you know, it, it, pile of shit. It's like Langoliers. I love the story Langoliers, mm -hmm. but yeah. the fucking True. movie. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, Alki and some bad CGI. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the CGI is horrible. So we talked about that co-ed sleepover that was at. <laughs> we watched the Langoliers as well. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Lord, why? No, I didn't mind it because I liked Balky, but you know, I like Balky too. But then that the CGI is is scary in the wrong urban. way. I was yeah. also twelve at the time, so yeah. you know. No. And there was alcohol, so. Wait, you were twelve and there was alcohol? Yeah. Honey, I started drinking at twelve. We've been through this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh -huh. <laughs> at this juncture um it is time to bring up it it actually takes place in in the events before wizard and glass uh but it is the wind through the keyhole that Stephen king just was like surprise motherfucker and this um, was 2012 i know it was because yeah i remember that time let's just say <laughs> Um, yeah, so I remember I was very, very excited about it coming out, but it is another story within a story within a story, and I like that it was just, to me, it was the warm, happy feeling. The stories are nice. I mean, they're really well-written stories, um, skinwalkers and all that stuff. You know, they're very interesting, but for me, it was just being with the Katat again. There was the warm and fuzzies of that. I was like, oh, this is before everything went to shit. Um, <laughs> I love this. But um, I think it was just sort of like a gift to the fans of the, the series. Like, oh, so you've all read that part that you weren't supposed to read. And you know what this is about. You've been on the journey. But here's a nice little excerpt from right in the middle before things really went crazy on you. Like, oh, yeah, I remember this place. It's nice here. Let's have a picnic. That's what this book feels like to me. The one through the keyhole. Um, I really enjoy it. Um, not a lot of people talk about it but I, I i really thought it was just a nice little walk down memory lane um you know a little bit more backstory into some um characters that uh roland had mentioned from his youth are in it not um it wasn't just cuthbert and elaine but uh we had like jamie mccary i think his name is um in there who he had mentioned randomly throughout the books 
um, but you never really got to know him. And then he's he's a major character in these. But it, it, could you live without it in the series? Whereas you actually really need all these books. But Went Through the Keyhole is just sort of like a gift to the fans is how I feel about that book. Yeah. Fans yeah. of the series. And it's like and, and in the book you get a story within the story. Yeah. And it's and it's like the guy's telling a story, but in that story there's another there's story. There's another story. <laughs> about about the Covenant man who is the tax collector that everybody fears. And I, I I really enjoyed that. I thought it was really cool. Um and you know, this was this was another book like after I'd finished the series and Candy was like, Oh, you know, you have to read Win Through the key- Keyhole and and I had kind of pushed it off and pushed it off. You and, did. And I can't I remember like, if, that. <laughs> I can't remember if I was you know, it was because I was reading something else or you know, I was just like, Fuck, I just read eight other fucking books. Like can Yeah, we that's calm basically down? I'm tired. You're like, um, I don't want to read anymore right now and I'm like, read this book though. But it but it was cool because you got to revisit um and I thought that the story with the Covenant Man was really cool. Um and it's you know it's an interesting book. It's a it's a great um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Addendum. Yeah, addendum. Yeah, to the to the series. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Anybody else uh, went through the keyhole? I've only read it once, so I don't have a, that much of a memory of it. I just added it to my list of audiobooks I'm going <laughs> to listen to. I have a really long commute to and from work, so I have a lot of time to listen to audiobooks. <laughs> that, it's on my. I've got it on my list. I'm going to start it tomorrow on the way to work. All right, but awesome. I read it once. I didn't make much of an impact one way or the other, to tell you the truth. Yeah, it's one of those Inception novels, the, the story within the story within the story. story. Right. Erica, yeah. what did you think of it? I still have not read it. So. Oh. Well, <laughs> um, you're grounded. Erica <laughs> fuck this shit. <laughs> well, you know, and that's, that's kind of like the general consensus on this. I think everybody's kind of like, Especially if they just read the whole thing and then, you know, we really get our ending technically with the Dark Tower. Like, <laughs> do I really want to read this? Like, right now? Maybe I'll read it later, you know, or sort of thing. But I think it's worth a read. It's it's a nice little, you know, like you said, an addendum or just a visit back into that world that you were so rudely thrust out of and disillusioned <laughs> and stripped naked and thrown to the streets. Um, okay. Um, but... <laughs> No, I'm kidding. <laughs> For the first 15 minutes after I read it, though. Not kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was just nice to be back in that and knowing sort of you're hearing this story within a story within a story, but it's just so nice to be there again. Like, because you, you know, just like with, you know, the inspiration for this lord of the rings i mean you just want to go on that journey again or be part of it again because you've grown to love these characters so much you just want to see them all together again or back on their adventure before shit went south um that's how it feels and so it's nice for that is it necessary no but was it a nice little gift yes so that's that's how i feel about that you know, I recommend it, but it's not something I think you you be you're missing out on even. Yeah, but I think that's you know it's one of those books that it's like after you've spent all of this time reading, it, it almost feels essential. And yes. and I kind of equate it to you know again going back to to George Martin, I've read all of the Game of Thrones novels um, that have come out. I'm still waiting on others to come out. But in the meantime, he's written other novels in that that uh, 
within that storyline that exist. And so like Fire and Blood. So I want to read that because it gives me a little backstory to, you know, the Game of Thrones saga. And so similar to that, like this is one of those books where it's like, you know, okay, it exists within this timeline. Like I want to read it. You know, I want to I want to get a little more in depth with Roland. I want to find out, you know, a little bit of backstory. I want to, you know, continue mm-hmm. this journey with a these characters. A key back into that world. Yeah, because minute. you invest you invest so much time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think about like uh, R. A. Salvatore. Um, he writes. He's written so many novels about the dark elf Driss Dorden that I became invested with him, and so it was like. Every subsequent novel that came out after all of those series that I read, like, I felt like I had to read them because I invested so much time in this character. Like, I can't just stop now. I have to keep going, you know? And that's a boon to him because, hey, that's, you know, that's money in his pocket, but... It oh, also yeah. means he's doing his craft well. He's, he's mm-hmm. doing his craft well. So, at this juncture, since we're not going to rate these... Um, that take way too long. Um, I'm just gonna have everybody pick. If you had to pick one, uh, like one book to be your favorite book of the series, what would it be? Oof. And we know what mine is, so I'll just go ahead out with it uh, again. Wolves of the Cala, uh, as a, even as a standalone book, fucking phenomenal. Everything in it, great. Hits every point it needs to hit. Um, it's just such a rich experience, and the characters are well written. The stories within stories work well no pacing issues i'm really invested in calibre and sturgis you know like when i'm there Mm -hmm. um wolves of the cala is my most read book of the series it's just one i like to just visit all the time so well written wonderful yeah i'm with you wolves of the cala definitely yeah tough pick for me um probably wolves of the cala but yeah drying of the three is a very close second yeah 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 yeah, I agree. I love Wolves of the Cowboy. Drawing of the Three, though, is where I realized what I was in for. It's when I was like, okay, I, I see where he's going with this. And, and, and then the possibilities in your mind start to open up. And, um, and I did really enjoy uh, uh, Wizard and Glass. I, I enjoyed, uh, but I, I mentioned earlier, because I listened to it on audiobook, and the, um, the uh, narrator was just unbelievable in that. Um, but yeah, Wolves of the Cowboy overall, probably my favorite one as well, just because you get to see them just kick ass. It's sort of unambiguous. They they get to just when, when when the women rise out of that pit on the side of the road with their plates. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Even listening to an audiobook, I was like, yes. You know, <laughs> I just fucking that scene alone is just worth the price of admission. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, Crystal. I would like to take this moment to remind you I read the graphic novels. Um, so a story thread, the comic books and graphic Uh, novels count. Absolutely. Graphic novels are different than comic books. Uh, But uh, I'm going to go with, with song of Susanna, not because of the storyline, but simply because of them putting the black 13 in the world trade center. And if you see that panel, or, or those panels and how respectfully that they did those panels that, you know, reading the, the whole series through the graphic novels that those panels sold that book for me. Uh, so, you know, I've got to go with, with Song of Susanna on, on that one, even though it's, you know, 
like I said, the, the anime filler. But uh, that, it does that have panel, its great things. Yeah, that panel makes it the best for me. If anything sticks out for me in the series, it's that. All right. So, yeah, I was like, wow, we did run over a little bit. Like, well, I guess, no, we're fair. We started a little bit late. We managed yeah. to talk about eight books in two hours. <laughs> we us. did it. We Lay did it. We did it. We did it. Oh, I want to. I wanted to close on one thing. One note. We were making fun of the Langoliers, which it deserves. But uh, <laughs> yes. Bron Bronson Pinchot is. Am I saying his name right? Pinchot. He does the. He does the narration for the audiobook version of Eyes of the Dragon. Ooh. And let me tell you, I did you, not know that. Let me tell you, he is amazing in that. Mm -hmm. So if you like audiobooks, if you like Stephen King, I, he is so good in that. I was because I, I, I remember hearing that or reading that he did the narrative like, really unbelievable can't i can't overstate that do it do it now yeah then if you're like me you can listen to go the fuck to sleep read by samuel l jackson we put on msc3k or riff tracks and we both are reading or whatever yeah, or sleep. That would put, yeah, I, I, I think it's been The Hobbit. I put on The Hobbit films to go to sleep. Not because oh. I don't love them, I but I've seen I can't because I get distracted by the hotness of Thranduil, well, and then there is no sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hot. Does it every time. I'm like, ooh, oh, gotta stay up for this one. Long hair. Oh, he shows up riding on that fucking moose, and she's. I was like, he was like, popcorn <laughs> ducking underneath me, me drooling. I was like, yeah. oh my god. Yeah. But I have a thing for the elves, so. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> just saying and Lee Pace I'm not mad yeah, yeah we, we know what Sean's Halloween costume is now <laughs> yeah if that was the case he would have done it years ago yeah see me riding on a moose <laughs> rent a moose if you get your Arwen cosplay now I'm Gandalf the Grey <laughs> I'm I'm Frodo <laughs> With your hairy oh. feet. My feet are not hairy. They're so no. I am Mary and or Pippin with a big uh, barrel of pipe weed. That's all yes. I need. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. That's all I need. Sitting sitting outside uh uh what was that, Isengarth? Yeah, Isengarth. After it's I, flooded. With the floating roast chicken floating by yes. I think, but, uh, yeah, that'd be me. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> what about second breakfast? <laughs> I'm sorry. Second breakfast needs to be a thing codified in law. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. We need I'm second breakfast. Yeah. I mean, the elves are hot, but like the hobbits have the common sense here. The exactly. The hobbits to eyes and God. I like where Orlando Bloom. He's so adorable. But you know, and he was singing along with it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> anyway, it's actually not that off topic because Lord of the Rings inspired. Well, Black Thirteen was the One Ring, and the other the other bends of the rainbow were the other rings. So yeah, it's definitely connected. Yeah, yeah. So thank you. You can. I mean, yeah, you can see uh, where the inspiration uh, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. There, and I mean, he straight up says, "This was my Lord of the Rings. It was inspired by Lord of the Rings." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, but it's, but tell it's, you. it's like Lord of the Rings Western. You know, and I think that that's, and I'm not a huge fan of westerns. I love westerns, but it's, but it really like you know, and that's kind of one of the things that turned me off when she told me, well, it's like Lord of the Rings, but it's a western, and I'm like, oh, 
Like, like who I gonna grew trust up, the bitch? Like, I grew have up I steered watching. You wrong? My dad was a huge John Wayne fan, and yeah, so I John grew Wayne up fan. watching a lot of John Wayne. And I'm like, eh, I don't know if I'm gonna be into this. <laughs> Not but like I, that. <laughs> but I got into it, and I saw like a lot of the Arthurian, you know, legend behind it and things like that. And then I was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of sold on this. <laughs> this is pretty cool. Yeah, a lot of cool shit in there. So. If you have just listened to this, listeners, and you haven't read the books, there's the a lot fuck more. Are you doing? Well, <laughs> yeah, one, alright. But <laughs> also, if you think that that's enough to give you cliff notes to say you can pass that you've read these, no, you can't. There's so how can we can contain like yeah. these thousand-page books in a two-hour talk of, of eight of them? Yeah, no, it's <laughs> not about the end; it's the journey. <laughs> And and you heard the end, but you know what? The journey makes the end make sense. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of That's things right. we didn't get to touch on. There's just not enough time. But uh, so still read the books, please. <laughs> yes. And, and you're just doing yourself a disservice. It doesn't it doesn't affect my life whatsoever if you don't read them. But I think you should read them. Yeah. Or yep. get an audio book, whatever works for you. But uh, we like to have these literary talks because you know. Reading is fundamental or something. Yeah. The more you <laughs> the know. The more you know. <laughs> Butterfly in the sky. Yes. <laughs> that was my favorite show. Uh, anyway. So, yeah. Um, just uh, this, this was different and it was cool. And I'm glad we, we did this. Thank you yeah. guys so much for being here tonight. And for, uh, you know listening to me gosh about these books because I, I love them so much yeah his magnum opus we shall say i'm uh editing and releasing basket case tomorrow so nice you're <laughs> finding this out as i am so i'm trying to awesome. i'm trying to do i'm trying to do because i have some old episodes that i'm trying to catch up on so that we yeah. can be current so i'm trying to do get into the habit of releasing new episode on Tuesday and releasing mm. an older episode on Friday. So I'm going to be doing two a week for the next couple of weeks until we can get caught up. This guy right here, here is. How much, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you doing that work so that. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. Hey, yeah. you know what? Because that can't be easy listening to me babble on for fucking an hour and a half. <laughs> 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 He's trained with the best, being me. No one can out talk me. I have You're nothing. I've gotten no. to the point, like really, like the only thing that I edit out is any point that we're like, oh shit, I need to edit that out. Like, <laughs> like I, like I'm not, I'm not. I used to be like when I started editing, I was like every um, every cough, every sneeze, Same. like I'm cutting them all out. But now I'm kind of like, you know what? No, this is us. This is I don't want to take away from what we are. Right. You know, we cough. We're more successful now than we ever have been. Yeah, we cough, we fart, we burp. <laughs> we're <laughs> real. Know, we're we, real people. Yeah. We get ice in the middle of a discussion. Like, this is what we do. <laughs> or if you're me, you keep the table. Or... <laughs> Not trying to call anybody. <laughs> yeah. Out, but... without muting, so you hear that little lighter snick all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, seriously, like like I've I've kind of trimmed down on the editing and it actually sounds more organic. And I and I think it I like it better that way. Fans love it. Yeah. I love so, us. So keep do doing too. what you're doing. Yeah, I, and, I appreciate you guys. I mean, we get 
it told that you know sean i do the heavy lifting i mean he edits and he does a lot of cool things yeah. uh i just organize schedules and stuff but i mean mostly the, the most important thing to make this show happen is, is people showing up right and here. talking yeah and mm -hmm. and giving their opinions and so that means you guys work too i'm not trying to take away from anybody like we all show up we have fun and we get something accomplished like it's a fucking win-win yeah yeah the editing the editing doesn't take as long as you may think it does, but it, what's important is what I'm editing. And, you know, you guys are giving me substance to edit. And if I didn't have that substance, I wouldn't have anything to edit. So, Aww. Aww. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the, I, I feel the same way. I'm like, you know, like, oh, you know, Candy does this and Sean is that. And I'm like, uh, this is not the Candy and Sean show. Oh, no. Like, no, it's not. Nope, absolutely not. We need you guys. And we appreciate yeah. you guys. Aw, we appreciate you. Family. Yeah. And Family. on that note, everyone and, have a great evening. Yeah, and before we leave, Erica, did did you buy that Rift Tracks game? No, no, I, I wasn't aware you were talking about a game the oh, other day. Okay, okay. No, I, I was, was curious because I, I, I saw you post something about it, and I was like, shit, Erica bought it too? Like, holy No, I, I don't I have any game. I was like, even, so, sadly. Yeah, it's, it's... A little plug for... It was it was a lot of fun. It yeah, was a lot of fun. Was. So do you, do you guys, like, play in the sense that you are making snarky comments over some movie? Is yes. that write them. Um, they give you a clip, uh, or you can pick ones. And we, yeah. we got on Zoom, and we were just all, like, laughing and doing it together. It's on <laughs> consoles and on Steam. So if you have, even have a laptop, it's on Steam. It's, like, nine bucks. That's nine bucks you'll spend. We had a blast. Yeah. yeah. yeah it, it, like, plays, like, clips from movies, and then you have to write a riff. You and know, for like that clip. And then we all vote on it. And everybody else. So it's kind of like vote. if you've ever played like Cards Against Humanity. Oh, it's, yeah. It's kind of <laughs> like it's kind of like that where like everybody, you know, uh, has a riff and then, you know, you get to choose which you think is the funniest. And it okay. and you can rank them um, once you get like a, a five player game going or even a, a four player game going, You like, you know, top and then. Your, your, second place your second place and whatever and then it distributes points like that so we we had a lot of fun with oh, it yeah. that was fun we got to make that a regular thing it'll be my regular saturday night thing that's oh, right yeah, saturday it's happening wait is coffin cats playing saturday coffin cats are playing saturday yeah but we can that's do it during okay. the day. yeah we have a we're going to a 90s pop-up bar save the save the video short <laughs> thing right. oh yeah that's cool yeah, we forgot we bought tickets. Uh, it happens. <laughs> yeah, we we're gonna we're gonna go see Coffin Cats again, and um, oh nice. Tomorrow's but... Deftones. I get two concerts this week. I'm like, am I gonna live through this? No, you'll do it. <laughs> well, the thing Boom is, theory. we parked in the handicapped spot. You know, the place for handicapped people when we took Ash to the Corn concert last summer. And it was like nine miles away from the venue. What? Yeah, <laughs> what and that? and I had I to go up eight flights of stairs, and I there was no ramp. No. What oh, the hell? I was debilitated. Do what I do. Elevators, even. Yeah. Do what I do with my mom. Call the box office. Call the box office tomorrow and ask about ADA compliance and where you need to park for mm -hmm. a wheelchair accessible accessibility. Yeah. yeah I'm just gonna. They, I'm just they gonna, were trying to kill me. We're just gonna master blaster tomorrow. I'm just gonna put her on my shoulders and. You couldn't put me on your shoulders if you fucking tried. I dare you. I dare you. 
We are the house that loves cats. Yes, yes we, we are. are. Love we don't me have some any pussy. dog people. We're all cat people. Well, don't say that. No, I love dogs too. I just want to. No, no, no. It means like we just don't own any dogs. Yeah, we're, uh, we have cats. I like all animals. Oh, my doggy passed away last year. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. That's okay. Aww. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I love all animals. I just, uh, I mean, just like that we all have cats. Yeah. I inherited Tibby. Oh, Tibby <laughs> likes you better than she likes me. Aww. Who's not in the bed that she sleep on? Mine. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> My cats are both males. They're daddy's them. boys. Aww. <laughs> they love me. I'm their mom. Okay. Beast <laughs> won't let you hold him. Nope, but he sleeps with me every night. Yeah, but he lets me hold him and cuddle him like a baby. <laughs> okay, he sleeps and Erica's raising three. That's right. Yes, that's true. Hard at work, never single a, mother over here. Three yes. so, one, yeah, three young. It's never a dull moment, I guess, over there. It, uh, no, it's it's chaos, and um, they all have to sleep with me, and they won't let me turn over without them having to move, so they can see my face at all times. That's funny. So I turn over and then. And then there's this whole feline troop movement of them trampling my <laughs> head, my throat. Then they have to plop down right in front of my face so they can see me. And it's like, oh, I almost like waking up to a cat asshole in your face. I've had that. Uh, I, Erica, I almost want to see that as like filmed like a. Uh, um... Like paranormal, paranormal activity, activity. <laughs> like with, a, with a security camera in your room so we're like when you Cats turn on your face and yeah. fucking hell. Take her on my head their so ass right in her face no when my ass goes in her face mine mine <laughs> my cats like if they're older time. now they like to just they'll, they'll hang out beans won't get in bed unless he thinks i'm already asleep yeah she'll like, kiss me i don't want that and then Brenda's just a slut, so he's yeah. just really lazy. And he's he just does what he wants. They're, they're yeah. seven years apart, so we got a three-year-old uh, and a ten-year-old. But oh, we should do a cat. We're just trying a cat to add up. another. I want to have another baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've got another. I, I want a kitten. I do. I want a kitten. No. Yeah. But I, like I don't want a second litter box though. So trying to find the right cat to rescue, you know, whatever. No, you don't find the right cat. Finds you. He That's does right. find you. So it's That's just what happens. Yeah, the cat will find you. Yep. And Beans will be like, I'm going to fight this cat. And I'll be like, no. <laughs> I'm the same oh, way I talk to my cats. The voice comes out. I like the people that like are listening. They're still talking about cats 20 minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> I could talk to, I could do, a, do like a love? whole three-part episode on how much I love my cats. Oh, yeah. me too. I'm, right there. I'm, I'm there for it. I could do it all day. <laughs> I do do it all day because everyone else is gone and I just talk to the cats just all day. And so people come home and I'm talking to the cats and not them. I'm like, this is what we do all day. I talk you to the cats. You have a voice? Do you have a cat, like a voice you talk to them in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And I have a, a language, uh, like words I make up, and, and everybody <laughs> emulates it. So, like, we have these terms where people are like, what the fuck does that mean? I'm like, you you don't understand. I'll have to when when Candy and I first started dating, like I would listen to the way she would talk to Cass, and I'm like, "That's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard." Oh yeah. And before <laughs> I know it, I'm doing You're the talking. same fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. Same yeah. Same language that no one else understands. And it's I, not like made up words. It's just words that don't make sense. I, I do this thing when we go to bed, and it's the way that I say it, and the cats like their ears perk up and their eyes get really big, and I'm like. <laughs> We're, we're getting ready to go into bed, and I'm like, do you want to go in the room? 
and their eyes get huge. And and like I don't even know why I started doing it, but because of her. Because we I don't yeah, who knows? It's infectious because I'll be like, who wants treats? Yeah. And like who treats them like Who's been good? You have oh. you're a slut. <laughs> and they do. They do. They're little whores. And they'll just lay uh, on there and be slutty. Yeah. Like those and then you're asleep and they, they fart poses. in the bedroom. The like, oh, Jesus slut. Christ, I don't remember giving you Mexican last night. What the fuck? <laughs> that came out of one cat? Yeah, we were playing Rob Band yesterday and we both just looked at each other like... Just making you know, sure, that, just wanted to make sure that she hadn't done it. <laughs> you were like, what the fuck? Oh, I know, that smells like cat food. Beans is this tiny <laughs> cat and he... I swear to God, he can blow you out of a bathroom. Oh, yeah, yeah. same with my titties. Like, the, the tiniest female cat is, like, the, the worst farter of the three. Like, just <laughs> rank. <laughs> she, she's proud of it, too. She's like, yeah! I like those, yeah. I like those TikToks <laughs> where they, they throw their, uh, their camera into thermal mode and pan over to the cat, and then it shows a fart, and they're like, oh, boy. <laughs> doesn't quite like the smell of cat shit. Yeah. Right? Oh, so, talk about tangents. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. We could do a whole show. We really yeah. could. We should. Totally. Yeah. Love but until then. Until then. <laughs> until then. Until Thursday. That's I right. love you, people. Love you guys. We Thank love you so you. much for this. Love you. I guess yeah. I better stop up on Lube for our next episode, though, because yeah, I don't, I don't like it. Okay, Aww. man, <laughs> that hurts. Oh, no, cut me, Shrek. What, what did I miss? She she said she's gonna stock up on Lube because she doesn't like the next episode we're done. Oh well, you know what, Erica? We already talked about this. I'm with you. I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I'm not alone with being uh, like. And it's not one a fan of his of... favorite movies, so that's going to make for fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The fireworks. We don't always have to <laughs> agree. That's it's right. Clive Barker. That's right. We don't always have I to agree. I love Clive Barker. I just I don't love like Clive this Barker, movie. but I don't like Nightbreed. All right. Well, um, I'll change your mind. I'll change. Your you mind. haven't yet. That you know me. I'm stubborn. That you're I'm wrong. wrong. <laughs> I will accept the fact that everyone else is wrong. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. I wish you guys could have heard his voice when he said, "Tell them they're wrong." I'm and like, and the fact that he didn't hesitate. He, no. Tell them they're wrong. <laughs> yes, sir. I heard that you're right. So okay. <laughs> sure, whatever you say, dude. Bro. Anyway, love you guys. See you Thursday. Love you guys. Love you. Have a good night. <laughs>